1: This is Adam Carriker on the ticket position right of the quarterback out of the shotgun first and 20 jailbreak screen in the air it is tipped it is intercepted by Carriker at the Missouri 21 yard line live from the heart of Lincoln America eight-year NFL vet and all-American defensive lineman Adam Carriker shotgun
0: snap to average he's got the left arm going and now he's got a whole lot of of character who rips him down inside the 25 yard line 93.7 93.7 The Ticket and the
1: ticketfm.com. Here's your host, Adam Carriker. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Adam Carricker on The Ticket. I was in beautiful, sunny Orlando, Florida last week for my son's football team. They played at Nationals, did really, really well. Extremely proud of them. Rico filled in, did a phenomenally phenomenal job. Actually, I have no idea. I didn't listen, but I just know Rico. And I'm sure he did a great job. All right. As you might imagine, shocker. We got a lot to talk about today. We got a whole week's worth of stuff from last week, All right? We got a whole week's worth of of stuff from this week to look forward to. So we got a recap. We got a look ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm back. All right. The fastest two hours in radio each and every week here on 93.7. The ticket from noon to 1 p.m. Central Time each and every Monday and Friday. I am live Tuesday and Thursday. Check out the Big Ten Show and the Character Chronicles on Wednesday Steve Taylor, former All-American Nebraska quarterback, all-time Husker great, drops his knowledge here on Wednesdays. All right, we got volleyball to talk about. We got the match to recap. We got Pitt to look forward to. We've got college football, uh, Florida State. Adam, what are your thoughts on that? Bama, bowl games, college football playoff. Then we've got the transfer portal, Kyle McCord, all sorts of stuff to talk about. And, of course, at the end of the show, as always, call or text... Send in your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, or otherwise. 402-464-5685. we got the People segment. That is 402-464-5685. Call or text. Send me your questions, comments, concerns. If it's a comment or concern, Rico will throw it up on the screen, and I'll get to it throughout the show. If it's a question, we'll save it for the People segment at the end. But I love to interact live right here, right now, with you fine folks at home with the people. Now, before we light this candle, dive into our first Topic of the day. Remember, GE Landscape Supply has pavers and boulders. Great accents for any backyard landscaping project. They sell to homeowners and contractors, and they deliver anywhere near or far. Stop by 6701 Corner Highway or check out GELandscapesupply.com. You can also call 402-467-1627. All right, start with Husker Volleyball. They beat a scrappy Arkansas team, and they were they were veterans. They were tenured, they were experienced, and they were not going to be pushed around, and they were scrappy. There was a point where I thought Nebraska was just starting to take over, starting to dominate the match. Of course, I said it on social media, and then Arkansas wins the next set, and everyone's like, oh, you're a drinks? how dare you? you know, just be quiet. We're going to win. Maybe I shouldn't have put it out there, but I did, and I stand by it because I knew Nebraska was going to win. All right, so four-set victory over a scrappy Arkansas squad for the Husker volleyball team. They're now going to their 17th Final Four appearance in program history. All right. Now, when you look back, all right, at that match versus Arkansas, just real quick, the Huskers actually trailed that first set 21 to 16. Okay. They went on a 4 0 run, make it 21 to 20. You could feel the energy, the enthusiasm, the Devaney Center start to come alive. Narrowed that deficit to one point before ultimately taking the first set 26-24 over the third seed Arkansas Razorbacks for the 1-0 uh, set, uh, set lead in the match. And the Huskers, that hit 194 in that set. They had five blocks, zero service errors, which is incredibly impressive. Okay, Merritt Beeson and Harper Murray each had four kills. Nebraska finished that set on a 10-3 run to close out the victory. Then they really kind of started to take over that second set. All right. Now, for Arkansas, real quick, this was their first ever appearance in the Elite Eight. There was a lot of times when they'd kind of actually been left out of the tournament over the years when you can argue they should have been in, and I thought they represented themselves very well in this year's tournament, which will help them going forward. All right, set two, like I mentioned, the Huskers started to take over. They had a 9-2 lead at one point. They really didn't have their first service error the entire match until they had an 11-5 lead in set two. As we know, Nebraska went on to win. Arkansas took the third set, and then Nebraska took... The fourth set to win the match, three sets to one. And we are moving on to Pitt, the good old Pitt Panthers. In my pre-draft visit to the Pittsburgh Steelers, I right, 07. I watched them practice in their indoor facility. Big Ben, who I would later be chasing around, trying to knock his big butt on the ground. Much, much more elusive than you would have ever thought a quarterback that size would have been. Don't, don't pay attention to the last five years of his career when he couldn't move. He was like a tree. The first 10 plus years of his career. We literally had to put a spy on his six foot five, 265 pound butt. I mean, that guy could move. It was incredibly annoying. Okay. Watch them do an indoor practice. But then I, I went to the facility, the Pitt football facility. I know we're talking volleyball, but the football facility is literally, they share the same building with the Steelers. Half of it belongs, or it did at the time, anyways. I ain't been back. Okay. Half of it went to the Pitt Panthers. Okay. The football team. And half of it went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just thought that was kind of a little bit interesting. But Pitt advances to the Final Four. Their third straight season heading to the Final Four. Danny Busboom and Louisville, man, they came out swinging. All right. The, it took five sets for Pitt to upend Louisville, earn their trip to the Final Four. I could be wrong on this, but I believe – because I watched the last couple sets. I could believe Louisville took a 2-0 lead, and then Pitt kind of completed the reverse sweep. Okay to win the match in five sets. All right, now, this is Nebraska's 11th elite eight appearance in the last 12 years, okay? Up until that Arkansas match, they had swept everybody they'd played in the tournament. They hadn't lost a single set, okay? So I guess technically they've lost one set in this entire tournament, but it was good to see them get battle-tested and have to fight back and, and face a scrappy Arkansas team as they get ready for the Final Four. We are going to be favored over Pitt, and we should be, but they're no pushover. They've showed that they can bounce back, and they're battle tested as well. All right. Now, Pitts, let me see here. Lost my train of thought. Ah, here, I got it back. Nebraska, okay, number one overall seed in the tournament for the first time since 2016. Okay, I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. And obviously, they earned that throughout. This season as well. Now, here's something else I found interesting. Okay, if I could read my own handwriting and make it easier to stay, keep up with my own notes. But as we know, we got no seniors on this team. But here, if you dive a little bit more in depth beyond just no seniors, you you take it to the upperclassmen per se versus lowerclassmen. Obviously, we got upperclassmen that are making an impact. But you look at this: we got underclassmen production. Fifty-five percent of the kills this year on the volleyball team are from the underclassmen. 52% of the digs are from underclassmen. 44% of the blocks are this season for Nebraska volleyball are from underclassmen. And I remember asking Jordan Larson when I interviewed here way back at the beginning of the season, I said, does it concern you at all that you don't have any seniors and you're even beyond that, just a very young team in general, like there are, there's freshmen who have beaten out some juniors on this team in particular spots and here's what's pretty cool about that is you watch how they interact with each other. Those juniors got their arm around some of these freshmen that they were battling for those same spots for at the beginning of the year after the match was over. They got their arm around them. They're celebrating. Like it's the true meaning of what a team looks like, okay? Now, when I asked Jordan Larson that question, one thing she brought up, and having dealt a lot with youth sports, and I got a lot more coming going on forward. Okay, so I started my son's tackle football team in fourth grade. Coached it for five years. Like I said, we just went down to Florida, competed in nationals. Okay, got third. Really proud of those boys. And then I I started his basketball team, kept them together for five years. All right, now I've been asked to coach. I wasn't even looking to do this, but I got asked to coach my twin eight-year-old daughter's basketball team. So I guess I'm starting over with them. And then my six-year-old daughter, Jordan's basketball team. Uh, So we're starting all the way over at the bottom again with them. My point is I've seen a lot in youth sports, and I'm going to see a lot more. But my point is this, Jordan Larson, she wasn't concerned about the per se, if you want to look at lack of experience or youth. She's like, because these girls have traveled all over the country with their club teams and they've been in championship games and they've been in intense situations. And yes, it's different because this is college, but they've really been in these situations for years. And I'll tell you what, you watch this team play and it's hard to argue with it. All right, Nebraska, 21 at home, 21 and 0 at home this season, 14 sweeps on the year. All right, and they have a, 22 straight home game NCAA tournament win streak as well. All right. I think those are my final thoughts on volleyball. Other than 6 p.m. Central Time on Thursday, they take on Pitt. Husker Nation, I'm sure, will either be in Tampa or be glued to their television sets. Now, here's an interesting tidbit of information I haven't heard many people talk about yet. Because I've advocated that women's sports, especially in particular volleyball, not especially volleyball but it's the one that sport that's always brought it up cuz i'd like all women's sports to get more publicity and more primetime uh, television slots primetime network slots for the first time ever the championship game for volleyball will not be on saturday it'll be on sunday in the afternoon 3 p.m. eastern time on abc for the first time ever the volleyball national championship match will be on network television now Obviously, I'm rooting for Nebraska. And if Nebraska wins, they're either going to play our beloved buddies, Texas, or Wisconsin for the third time this year. Whoever it is, if Nebraska makes it, which I predict they will, to that Sunday match on national television, prime time, man, that's going to be fun to watch. I'm not going to lie. I'd love to beat Texas, but if we got to play Wisconsin for a third time, that should be awesome. The ratings, the ratings that that would garner would be absolutely phenomenal. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk a little bit of... Oh, one last final thought. Huskers are 2-0 versus Pitt. Okay, their last matchup was in the Final Four in 2021 when Nebraska won in four sets. All right, again.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
1: I got to work on my handwriting. Make these things easier to read. But I think that covers everything, as I mentioned before. Okay, Wisconsin is in. They beat Oregon in four sets. Texas is into the final four. Beating—I don't know if it's an upset. To me, it was an upset, especially when they beat Stanford in four sets. Didn't even take five sets. So you got Wisconsin and Texas on the other side. You got Nebraska and Pitt on this side. Again, I'm rooting for—I'm rooting for Nebraska, Wisconsin, all Big Ten final. But if we play Texas and whoop their rear end sideways, that'd be phenomenal too. All right, so we've got. Nebraska football to talk about, in particular, some of the transfer portal stuff. Okay, we're going to get to that. But I have not yet had the opportunity to offer my particular thoughts on the college football playoff. Now, I know that it's been talked about to death, so I don't have to talk about it forever. But I do want to put my thoughts out there into the atmosphere, at least quickly. All right, did they get it right? Did they get it wrong? Did Florida State get screwed? Would Bama, do they believe, do they, do, do they deserve to be in? They won the SEC, the toughest conference in college football. They beat the number one team in the country, Georgia, two-time defending national champs. Georgia hadn't lost in like 89 decades. How do you leave that team out? How, 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 how does this work? All right. I'll give you my top 10. I know only top four matters, but I just went to 10. And then we'll discuss the top four to six. All right. Number one, Michigan. Number two, Washington. That was pretty easy. This is where it gets interesting. And I'm not one of those people that says, I know what's going to happen. If Florida State plays some of these other teams without their starting quarterback, I know for a fact they're going to lose. How can you say that? Now, would they be an underdog? Absolutely. Would they be a big underdog? Yep, probably, rightfully so. But you can't pretend you know what's going to happen. Otherwise, why do we play the games? So for me, I have to go based on what happened. I got Florida State as the third seed. Okay? They not only went undefeated, they not only won the ACC, as soft as it is, it's still a Power 5 conference, okay? It actually impressed me that they went into Florida, their rival, on the road, with a backup quarterback, and found a way to win by two possessions. Then they played a Louisville team, who I believe is still top 15 in the country, okay? And they were top 10 for a good portion of the year, all right, with their third-string quarterback, and they still found... A way to win by double digits, if I if I remember correctly, I believe it was 10 points. They won both those games by multiple possessions with a second string quarterback, third string quarterback. Their defense was phenomenal. Their ground game was phenomenal. Now you look at their non-conference. All right, you're in the ACC. Not such a great conference. Who'd you play? Well, we played two SEC teams. We played the Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels and LSU. Beat them by eight thousand points. Okay, and then we played Florida on the road. Just talked about that game. Two SEC teams. All right, so you didn't schedule patsies in your non-conference. I believe you should be rewarded for that. Had they played Michigan's non-conference, had they played some of these other weak soft tapioca pudding non-conference slates that some of these teams played, I I would have held that against them. But you schedule two SEC teams, and then you do what you do the rest of the year. I've got to go by what you did. Do I think you'd beat Bama on the field head-to-head? No, I don't. But that isn't what this is about. Okay, I'm not a psychic. I don't pretend to be a psychic. I give my opinion and my predictions all the time. But nobody really knows what's going to happen, so I have Florida State third. Fourth, I have Texas. Why? Because they beat Alabama head-to-head, and gosh dang it, the games on the, that are played on the field, they got to matter, don't they? Then I got Bama fifth. Now, here's part of the problem. Here's why people were mad, and here's why people were going to be mad. Because somebody was going to get left out. Somebody that deserved to be in was going to be left out. There's five teams that deserve to be in, but only four slots. It's that simple. It's basic math. No matter what happened, either an undefeated power conference team that played 10 10 power conference teams, two in their non-conference. Actually, I take that back 11 because they had the conference championship game. They played 11 power conference teams this year. Remember when college football teams only played 11 regular season games, period? How do you leave them out? Well, you you conjure up this BS thing. Oh, they can't win without their starting quarterback. And I know this isn't exactly Cardell Jones and Ohio State from 2014 because they won the Big Ten title game over Wisconsin 59 to nothing. I know with Florida State didn't do that. So it might not be it might be apples to oranges, but it's all still fruit. Bama deserved to be in too. I don't really like Nick Saban. I can't stand Alabama as a program. I'll be honest with you, my dad brainwashed me. He he raised me to hate three teams. I used the word hate. Yes, I did. New York Yankees, Miami Hurricanes, gee, I wonder why, and the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's just how he raised me, okay? So I am not an Alabama fan, and I always root against them. And if when, whenever Miami has played Alabama, I have always rooted for Al- Miami over Alabama. That's how much I dislike them. They deserve to be in. You win the SEC. What is the SEC won? Was it 15 of the last 17 national titles or something like that? As much as that annoys me, the facts don't care about feelings, Okay. And they did. They beat the number one team in the country. They were number one all year. And they're the two-time defending national champs. What was the last time they lost a game? Two years ago? They deserve to be in. Problem is, can't put all five teams in. I believe the three undefeated of power conference teams deserve to be in because of what they did. Michigan, Washington, Florida State comes down to Texas, Alabama. Very simply, Texas went into Tuscaloosa, won on Alabama's home field by double digits, 10 points. Alabama should have been left out. Now, let's live in a world of reality. The ESPN SEC network, there's no way they were going to leave out the SEC champ. It's going to cost them too much money. And people can argue that ESPN has a relationship with the ACC as well. Yeah, but let's be honest. Which team has a much better chance of going on to round two of the national championship game? Alabama does. Florida State never stood a chance. They were never going to get in over Alabama. And if Alabama's getting in, you have to put Texas in. You just do, because they beat them head to head. Florida State should have been in. That being said, you can make an incredible argument for Alabama. I don't buy it. I understand it. I don't agree with it. That being said, I would have put Florida State in. Now, all that being said... What did the committee do other than expose the ESPN-SEC network and the committee itself as a complete and utter sham? They actually gave us better matchups. I'm actually more excited to watch Michigan-Alabama and Washington-Texas than I would have been to watch Texas-Michigan, which would would have been a good game, but that Washington-Florida State game, I don't know how good that would have been. So while I disagree with it and while they expose themselves, okay, for the sham that it is, the ESPN-SEC network, Uh, The games, I think, are actually going to be better. It's not how I would have done it. But as as a fan of college football, there's always a silver lining. As a a person in life, there's always a silver lining. That's the silver lining. All right. At number six, I have Georgia. Number seven, Ohio State, eight, Oregon. Pretty much match the committee perfectly. The only other discrepancy that I had, and this does not matter at all. It's just me being me. I had Penn State at nine, Missouri at ten, because Penn State's two losses – are to Ohio State and Michigan. When you lose to Ohio State and Michigan by eight or nine points apiece, that's not too shabby. All right, Michigan played a decent schedule, but their losses weren't quite, I don't want to say as impressive. Penn State's offense looks so bad in those games. That's why they're below Missouri. It doesn't really matter. I just had Penn State at nine, Missouri at 10, because I I felt like Penn State's losses, listen to this, were more impressive than Missouri's, because that makes sense. All right, let's see what else I got here. One final thought on this. This could be the death nail to the ACC. We, we all knew Florida State was already trying to get out. Okay, would what, what they come up with their Magnificent Seven last summer? I talked about it on this show. It's been since last summer, so I don't remember. It was like Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina. I remember Duke was left out. Okay, I think Virginia was in there, maybe Virginia Tech. I can't remember. They're, they're trying to get out of the ACC. This is the death nail to the ACC. The ACC is going to either end up like the mighty Pac-2, or they're going to become no better than the AAC conference. It's going to be the Big Ten, the SEC, and somehow the conference that everyone all but put the nail in the coffin in three summers ago, the Big 12, is going to survive. It's going to be the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Big 12. That's what it's going to be at the end of the day. And if the ACC does somehow still exist, it'll be no better than the Pac-2, even if they have more teams in it. It may be Stanford, Cal, Duke. Because somehow they were left out of that magnificent seven. Whoever else decides to stay, if ever, Wake Forest, if everyone else doesn't decide to bail. That's my final thought. I think this is the, the death nail to the ACC. All right. So, bowl games. I know. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. So, let's talk about some bowl games, shall we? Here's the deal I am a college football Fan at heart, going all the way back to 1996. I was born in '84, so start the time I was 12. I can tell you just about every top 10, top 10 teams, one through 10 to end every season. Every top bowl game matchup, who won, what I would have done differently if there was a playoff or a BCS, or how I would have done it. I can tell you all those things, pretty much going back to 1996. Okay, by the way, that year, the top four at the end of the year: number one, Florida State; number two, ASU; number three, Florida, whose one loss was to Florida State and then Ohio State, whose one loss was to Michigan that year. Okay, Ohio State, number four, beats number two Arizona State in a phenomenal Rose Bowl comeback win at the end. Florida trounces Florida State in the Sugar Bowl to become the national championships and national champions to win the national championship to get revenge on Florida State for beating them earlier in the year, and that was Florida's first national championship under Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach. Um, so I still have an interest in bowl games, it's not what it used to be mostly i do bowl mania because otherwise i wouldn't care at all but i still at heart have a soft spot for bowl games so we're going to go to commercial break here pretty soon but until i hear the music start we're going to chat real quickly about some of these bowl games and there's the music all right rico fine we'll go to commercial and then when we come back we're going to talk transfer portal quarterbacks We're going to talk some Husker football, and we're going to talk bowl games quickly. But I at least want to talk about it because it still means something to me for some reason. All right, don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back.